immersive audio podcast in conversation with industry thought leaders, practitioners, artists, academics, and entrepreneurs discussing all aspects of this rapidly evolving industry from art, science, and business to practical insights and project case studies. We aim to inform, educate, explore, and unite the community. In this episode of Immersive Audio Podcast, Felix Thompson, with the help of insightful guest speakers, will look at audio for augmented reality and how it's changing people's lives today. Augmented reality, or AR for short, is an industry that's been silently booming over the last couple of years. Unlike virtual reality, which totally immerses the user, AR offers a blend of both the physical and virtual worlds. In this episode, we will look at how AR developers take the next step in revolutionizing how we hear the world, making augmented reality experiences for tourism, education, music, and even reinventing hearing aids. Audio for augmented reality. It doesn't roll off the tongue, sure, but with brands like Apple, Bose, and Sennheiser pouring billions into it, audio for AR looks set to become a massive industry. But first, what even is augmented reality? Here's Elliot Graves, a technical and creative lead in the VR and AR industry. Augmented reality is a technology that allows us to overlay graphics and information on top of the real environment that people are seeing with their real eyes. And that's being done either through mobile phones, through a camera on a screen, or it's being done a little bit with a headset. So headsets like the Microsoft HoloLens and the Magic Leap allow us a little bit like glasses to overlay information on top of the environment. People are using this uh, in quite simple ways, for example, to do measurements using their iPhone camera. So you can tap a point in the corner of the room and onto the wall and it would measure that distance. But we're also starting to use it in more complex ways to uh, tell immersive stories or allow people to explore different information in AR. In fact, while not everyone will instantly recognise the term augmented reality, they'll definitely know of an AR app. Even my gran has heard about Pokemon Go, that craze that swept the globe in 2016. By using the camera on your phone, the app could place virtual Pokemon in your real world. You could see a Squirtle in your garden or a Snorlax on the street. But for Elliot, augmented reality is not just a gimmick. Recently, augmented reality has overtaken in some ways virtual reality because it's uh, more readily available for consumers to view and interact with. The virtual reality headset market is a little bit slower than I think some thought. And as a result, especially brands are looking for interesting ways to engage customers. And AR or augmented reality tends to be the new buzzword that people are excited about getting involved with. A lot of the projects we're working on are with, for example, fashion brands who want to use it as a way to allow people to try things on. And we're developing an augmented reality try-on application that will allow people to try on shoes through their camera. So instead of having to visit a store and wait in a, in a line, instead you can log on to the application and pick the shoe that you think you like. And then opening the camera app and pointing the camera at your foot, you can see through the screen how the shoe will look on you, how the light reflects off it with the different materials. 
and you can change the color. And if you wish, you can decide to buy it on the app as well. There's another function we're implementing, which is to allow people to view the shoe on top of a surface. And that means people can explore the shoe in 3D and zoom into it, see the different materials, how it might look in different lighting, for example. And that's a really exciting way that's right on the edge in terms of ease of access for the customer because they've already used their phone and they've used their cameras. It's very easy for them to understand. Dressing rooms could soon be a thing of the past. No longer will people spend hours thumbing through racks of clothes to find their perfect top. In the coming years, you might be able to do all of this on your mobile phone. Yet, I was curious to find out a bit more from Elliot about how augmented reality might change audio. One of the interesting things to do is to create an immersive audio environment within an area that someone might already know very well. Someone's house, for example. But what we can do with audio is we can create really interesting content that allows people to experience environments they know well with a different soundscape. That might be creating positional audio within an environment that people can travel around and experience different sounds wherever they walk within the room and allow them to imagine a creative or imagine a different story that might be going on within that. A great example of this could be a scary monster experience where you're sat on your bed just with headphones on and you hear a monster moving around the bedroom like brushing past the blinds going under the bed but of course they're not there there's nothing in the room audio wise you're hearing this whole story unfold around you and that's something which within AR is really powerful I think. We'll come back to this idea about positional audio in a second so we'll keep Elliot's example of a monster in the room in mind but first it seems a good idea to really work out what we mean by augmented reality audio For answers, I turn to Damien Murphy, Professor of Sound and Music Computing at the University of York, a man who has done a lot of work in immersive audio. Audio for augmented reality is, I suppose, uh, not necessarily a new thing. You know, some of us are old enough to remember things such as the first sort of Sony Walkmans and similar sort of, you know, personal music devices before um, it all became digital. That changed the way people consumed music and it was augmenting our our day-to-day sound world by closing ourselves off from it by putting on a pair of headphones and choosing to listen to um, the music content or the audio content that we that we wanted to to uh, deliver to ourselves augmenting our audio world is not new but things are changing now I guess in terms of how these devices can do that augmentation and these how these devices are capable of, of delivering content to your ears in a different way. There's this interesting opportunity now for, I guess, what we would traditionally now think about augmented audio reality, which is headphones that are capable of rendering audio content on top of the audio that we're listening to on a day-to-day basis in a way that we have to try and design or blend those two streams of information to become something new and different. Audio for augmented reality isn't necessarily that new, but according to Damien, the technology has suddenly jumped up a gear. At the minute, there's not tons of headsets out there that offer this blend of different audio streams, but there is one product on the market definitely doing this, the Ambio Smart Headset from Sennheiser. Sophia Brazola, who works for Sennheiser in their Ambio innovation team, explains how it works. I'm Sophia Brazola from Ambio Sennheiser team. My role is user experience manager. I'm part of the Ambio team, which I mentioned is an innovation team for Sennheiser, focusing on 3D audio technology. We're a research team, first of all, so we do develop prototypes and, uh, and research in new areas uh, where 3D audios could bring benefit to users. 
but also more and more recently, we're also uh, producing and bringing to market products and services. We just released the MBO AR1. Uh, that's an accessory for Magic Leap One headset uh, that uses a similar technology to the MBO Smart headset for making sound uh, more more crisp, more easily localizable and private, but also features uh, what we call transparent hearing. Transparent hearing is a feature that allows users to, to stay aware of their environment thanks to, uh, you could say, uh, pass-through, basically yeah, leveraging microphones that are positioned uh, as close as possible to your ear canal. So we do that on, uh, on ear tips by positioning a the microphone there. The microphone is able to let pass through as much as you want of the external environment. This is pretty new and groundbreaking for the field of augmented reality audio. Well, at a commercial level at least. Damien says he saw headphones like these in a lab in Finland years ago, but now they've gone mainstream. Yet, what does this mean for the average listener? Well, say you're taking the tube into work and you're listening to your favourite podcast, you might want to stay aware of any announcements. The transparent hearing mode lets you blend the two streams of sound, virtual and real, so you can stay aware. And it's not like you have to use the transparent hearing function. You can block out background sound with its noise cancelling feature or turn the headset off to take in the real world. But going beyond the everyday, Damien Murphy thinks headsets like these could change live music performances. For a long time, colleagues here in the audio lab working with other colleagues in our music department have been interested in the idea of performing or writing and performing music for live audiences based on the space in which that music is created. And composers have been doing that for many hundreds of years of writing music for, you know, churches, concert halls and so on. Um, and it's still the case. And so we've developed, a couple of my colleagues here, Jude Britton and Helena Daffan, uh, as well as others, have uh, worked on this idea of developing performances based on the acoustics of particular places, whether those places exist or whether those places used to exist. Damien and his colleagues teamed up with a composer at the university to create an augmented reality performance that took place in the ruins of an abbey destroyed in the 16th century. But what's so augmented about the choir you can hear singing now? One of my PhD students had done a, a recreation, an acoustic model of a ruined abbey, which is in the centre of York. And so we'd recreated the acoustics of this space. Ambrose in the music department took the results that we'd achieved from that model and used it to inform his writing of a piece of choral music. Then we had a, a live performance of a choir in the ruins of the abbey and each one of the members of the choir were mic'd up with a headset microphone. And the feed from the headset microphone was then running through a convolution reverb, where the convolution reverb impulse response was actually the acoustic model of the cathedral in which the choir was placed, even though that cathedral is ruined. And then we rendered out the whole lot over a large PA system. Effectively, the audience of about six to seven hundred people were gathered around watching the choir singing in the ruins of this abbey, but listening to them as if the abbey was reconstructed. So they were listening to this beautiful reverberant sound that was coming directly from 
the singer's performance, processed via the impulse response of the model of the Abbey that we'd recreated, and they were singing a piece of music that had been specifically written for the Abbey in its reconstructed form, virtual form. This is one exciting way audio can be augmented today, changing or augmenting real sounds, in this case voices, to seem like they're based in a different soundscape. And headsets like Ambios might mean you could enhance the experience further. We're all kind of quite excited about what could we do with an audience that we're all wearing Ambio headsets, rather than having to rely on a PA system to render out and support live performers you could give that content directly to each individual audience member via their Ambio headsets um, so that you've got live music coming from the stage or amplified from the stage and then particular design content on top of that. Um, And, and, you know, what we were doing, we didn't use headsets, obviously, for the audience, but we were overlaying the acoustics of a particular environment. But again, that's just the first sort of step in terms of what's possible to change the nature of what people are getting. And of course, If everyone's got their own headset on, then you can also change the content that each individual person is getting. So you could fine tune it for very particular needs of those listeners. You know, if they had particular hearing impairments, we could change it such they got a more optimal version of the performance that was specifically for them versus what other people were hearing. So that's a really interesting challenge and and opportunity um, but we could also give people different experiences based on what they like what they prefer or what we want them to hear headsets might enhance the live music performance but they obviously weren't essential here what is clear is that one major and exciting new way people are augmenting audio is by taking a real sound source and augmenting the environment yet this definition of augmented reality doesn't explain elliot's earlier description of a monster moving around you in the bedroom. So it seemed a good idea to speak to developers who created AR experiences like this. Kadar works at Magic Leap, one of the biggest players in AR, as a game developer and sound designer. I asked him about Tanundi, an AR experience they made in collaboration with the Icelandic band Sigaross. Tanundi is all about taking the world that you're in and transforming it, adding you know a magical, mystical, audiovisual element that lives on top of that. You have grass, you have water bubbles, various various creatures flying around you, um, trees, flora, fauna that are all unique to the world of Tanandi. All of this stuff is, is interactive and plays into the um, interactive music that, um, that Sigur Rós kind of composed that was then integrated and brought to life by Magic Leap Studios. The augmented audio in Tanundi is obviously a different beast to the type we heard in Damien Murphy's project. You can interact with virtual floating spirits, each which make their own type of sounds. This augmented audio is all about augmenting your reality by introducing virtual objects and sounds. But this comes with new problems, as Jean-Marc Jolt, a distinguished fellow at Magic Leap, points out. Typically, these are six degree of freedom applications where you can move to, towards the objects that you see. If you hear something, first of all, if it's not in your field of view, you're going to turn your head and look towards it if it's something of interest, and then you're going to be able to walk towards it. What that means is in terms of the what we often call technically the object-based rendering capability, uh, it's going to be more sensitive, more critical in mixed reality, primarily because it's a six degree of freedom experience. 
what that means is that where in virtual reality, when you turn your head around, it would be okay if the scene basically seems to respond overall, you know, to your head movement so that you're not distracted and be immersed by other things, all the visual elements that are being presented to you, maybe a very rich sound scene, which is a combination of a large number of elements. In a mixed reality application, you might have only one element that's being, that's the key element presented to the user in addition to the physically existing sound events. And you would want the user to focus on that one, and they might be able to walk towards it, etc. So that means that in terms of the accuracy uh, rendering that particular object, it's more critical than it would be in VR, in a typical VR application. And that is accuracy from a positional audio point of view. So the positional audio rendering technology is uh, facing more difficult challenges in mixed reality than in VR. All this means that it's essential that the sound is binaural. If you turn your head to the left, the sound that was originating in front of you should now be heard strongly in your right ear. Yet, given an experience like Tanundi is interactive and not pre-recorded, audio designers must also ensure individual sounds dynamically stick to identifiable objects. Yet, what else is critical to creating an AR audio experience? So-called acoustic environment. Basically, reverb, to call it, to simplify, <laughs> to, to use it, the simpler terminology for it. Because it's easy to imagine that if you play something that sounds like it's in a church reverb or has no reverb on it and everything that all the sounds that you just heard in the environment you're in, including your footsteps and your own voice or the voice of other people, all the ones that coexist simultaneously, if they appear to have a different uh, acoustic applied to them, the natural acoustic, and then it's going to be a dissonance, basically, a perceptual dissonance between the real sounds or the sounds you just heard in your environment and the ones that are being presented to you artificially. So I think actually the simulation of the environment is essential in mixed reality. Sean Mark has spoken in the past about the general need in AR for realism the need for developers and creators in AR to avoid, at all costs, a dissonance between the virtual and the real. In terms of visuals, you wouldn't want to see a virtual Pikachu sliced in half by your kitchen table. Likewise, you want sound to seem authentic, as though it were happening in the same room as you. If you're in a hall, for instance, your AR audio should have a longer reverb time than if you were in a tiny cupboard. Here's Kadab again. We're working on various aspects of the technology where, you know, you walk into a room and the Magic Leap headset immediately understands what the room characteristics are and what the reverb is and automatically adapts to that. Right now, in like some of the applications that have been released, that isn't necessarily the case off the bat, but that is something that we are working on and we're hoping to actually be rolling out sooner rather than later. That's a really, really important aspect of augmented reality audio, which is kind of this, you know, like I'm talking and then a virtual human is talking in the same room as me. And they, that virtual human, sounds like they're in the same room as me. Knowing that is going to change depending on where you are, where the headset is, is a really fascinating problem to be solving and very fundamental to augmented reality audio. One Magic Leap experience that typifies how crucial reverb is, is the Audio Lab, made in partnership with Sennheiser, It lets you record sounds in your real world, which you can then loop over a pre-existing song or drum beat. You can sample and make a song out of simple items or surfaces in your living room. Here it is in action. The way the Audio Lab works is you can enter a room, record sounds, which you can then sample and put on a loop. 
Essentially, you can use your real-world environment and make it into a band. The Audio Lab gives you pre-existing songs or drum beats to work with too. In this example, the user has tapped a glass, knocked his hand on a wooden surface and kicked a suitcase. Now he's beatboxing. And with all these different sounds, you can see a visual representation of them floating in the air where you made the particular tap, thump, knock or whatever sound it is you've made. You can then use the remote to grab, move and even throw the sound somewhere else in the room or alter it. And of course, reverb is crucial to all of this. Your sound rules. It's clear that there are two main new types of augmented reality audio. One is the augmenting of real-world voices or sounds. The second is the augmenting of virtual sounds to make them more realistic. Now we've got that cleared up, it's worth looking at how augmented reality is changing society. Beyond music, beyond entertaining experiences, how are these new types of augmented reality audio changing the world? To find out a bit more about this, we turn back to Sophia Brazola at Sennheiser. They recently ran the Ambio development program, which has given 20 early adopters the chance to use their hardware and software to make AR apps. The idea was that during the duration of the program, they would prototype uh, an app that was focusing on augmented audio. So what uh, the, the basically the, the sound component of uh, an AR experience. Uh, and had the sound of it at its core. It was interesting to see how people interpreted in very different ways uh, for very different applications and target groups. We had a range of applications going from some that were solving some uh, real life problems like, I don't know, navigation or um, helping hearing impaired people or acoustic barriers and so on, to some others that were more towards entertainment. But we also had some sports application or music application, some for more like artistic installations. So very, very different kind of applications and very different use of the technologies the developers made. But why were the developers attracted to the program in the first place? One major aspect was the transparent listening feature we heard about earlier. You know, the one that lets the listener hear a blend of digital and natural sounds. But what else did they get? What came out to be the most useful tools for them were definitely binaural recording, thanks to the Embusmar headset, as well as transparent hearing. Uh, for those that wanted to develop for an audience that was wearing the Embusmar headset, for example, head tracking was also a very interesting feature for them to experiment with. We gave out uh, a prototype head tracker with very low latency and wireless that we developed internally and made 20 prototypes. Those developers that experimented with it came up with uh, very specific applications enabled by it. These sounds are from one of the apps that really relies on the head tracking feature. Given the pretty frightening noises, you might find it strange to hear that this is an app made for tourists. The experience, called 1807, is for fans of history too. By going to the church of our old lady in Copenhagen and opening the app, users are transported back to the bloody bombardment of the city by the British as they laid siege to the Danish capital. Here is Perbeck Hansen, a co-founder of Orr, the Danish virtual and mixed reality company who developed the application. So you are actually looking at uh, this old church, which was part of the bombardment of Copenhagen by the English in 1807. 
when they will uh, walk into the church, we will start this experience, which is uh, rotation only, but it's made to fit so the clock or the tower bell of the church is actually placed where the church bell is placed in real life. And then when they turn around holding their phones in front of them, then they can hear uh, the sounds going from one ear to the other. There are some screens. Um, there's, of course, a lot of uh, cannonballs. There's these like old school uh, rockets. That was a terrible invention at the time because it could stick into the church building and then hang on to it and set the building on fire. So the actual climax of the experience is at the end when you hear the whole church falling down just right beside you as a classic jump scare exactly. So, as you can hear, this is a very different sonic experience to what a usual visitor to the church might hear. But how is new technology changing the AR scene and making tourism experiences like this one possible? The main thing we wanted to explore, because we wanted to limit ourselves, was that exact hardware of the head tracker. Because we worked with solutions before where you use your phone and you use that to turn around but we know that it is more natural just to turn your head to listen because then you turn your head and you don't have to turn your whole body. That was really interesting. Then, of course, we looked into some of the other possibilities you had with the Sennheiser Ambio headset uh, with transparent hearing, which is uh, really interesting, but it was not something we had the time to um, involve in this project. A head tracker is basically tracking your head rotation both when you're turning your head to the side, but also up and down and the whole combination. So a whole uh, sphere around you. And that enables you to actually listen into a virtual world. For instance, if you have a sound at your right ear and then you turn 180 degrees, then you'll hear it in your left ear. Same if you have a sound behind you, you can also listen in basically allows you to step into a virtual world with uh, real-life audio. So basically, Ambio gave a head tracker as well as the headsets. It's a small black box, not much bigger than an iPhone, that you strap on and it sits on your forehead. And this little tool essentially makes sure that binaural audio remains realistic, that virtual sounds act like real ones, maintaining positional authenticity. You can imagine that if, or more likely when, augmented reality apps like this change the tourism industry, that this will be a key feature. In the future, it's quite possible to imagine you'll be able to get AR walking tours. You might download an app on your phone, and as you walk around the city, you'll get information fed into your ears about the building or scene you're looking at. GPS will be crucial to guides like this, but so too will head tracking. Per says that they might introduce gaming elements to 807 too. We have been looking into creating this kind of a game in it where you have to put out uh, firebombs because that's what, what they actually did. So you have to localize a ticking bomb in 360 and then you have to, with your phone, do like a throwing motion 
and then you'll have water coming out of your phone, auditively speaking, and you'll hear if you actually put out the bomb. Are you able to localize a sound in 360? And if you're not, of course, you're punished with a bomb exploding and people screaming and all these kind of things. So a head tracker is a crucial weapon in the AR developer's arsenal. Yet given we're still in the early days of augmented reality, it's not all plain sailing. Latency is a major challenge developers must try to overcome. I think there's a general difficulty using technology communicating via Bluetooth. And that is that you will have some kind of delay in the signal processing. I think it was a challenge to figure out like, how can we design so it fits in? If you were to create a zombie shooter or something like this, where you are to like a really action-paced, fast-moving, where you have to turn your head really, really fast, then that's not the optimal use for these kind of head trackers because you will have a little bit of delay on it. But if you have an experience where you just listen around like you normally do with just a lot of curiosity, then it's, it's, it's not really a problem. I think it's the same with this bomb experience. If you are to listen around for this ticking bomb, then there are also some limits to it that you have to design around. But Per does say with head tracking, the solution is already here. Well, I think it's already here because if you have Bluetooth 5.0, then it's just so much faster already compared to Bluetooth 4 that I think that would solve a lot of the problems. Some technology in us for some things and then some technologies would probably never be you just jumping around with uh, counter-strike precision, being able to shoot down small animals or whatever you would like to. So for tourist AR apps like PERS, head tracking tech is here now. But how else are smart headsets changing audio for AR? This is Mark Green, a PhD student at the University of York. So the app that I made is called Soundscape AR. It's designed for environmental sound monitoring tying into the work I do in my PhD. Essentially, I created a machine learning algorithm, trained it on some recordings that I'd done of various acoustic soundscape scenes in the past, and trained it to identify human, natural, and mechanical sounds. So it gives you ratings on the makeup and sound content in a sound scene. With it being an AR app, the AR component came in with designed various objects that the users can place in the scene. So there's a car, um, a water fountain, a bird, or an acoustic barrier, a simulation of a sound barrier. Um, and the user can drop those into the scene. And then the phone will track where they are and also track the rotation of the phone. So you can visually see graphical objects, but then also there's augmented audio from those objects that tracks where you are. And so you can walk around the scene uh, and these sounds will move in realistic fashion. So you get an idea for what the scene will be like with these extra objects. And then the machine learning analysis portion of it actually gets audio from the virtual objects as well as the real world. So you can see how dropping in those objects would affect the soundscape ratings. The idea behind the app ultimately um, apart from my own research interest, was it, it's a tool that could be used for urban planning applications. So if there was, for instance, someone had applied to build a new road or build in a new water feature, then you could actually drop in these virtual objects and test what it would do to the location before actually 
building the object for real. So this is a bit like Magic Leap's Tanundi experience. You have virtual objects that the developer has dynamically tied sound to, yet rather than trying to inspire wonder and awe, Mark's app is looking to change urban planning. At the moment, Mark feels that the way sound is measured is too basic. Environmental sound monitoring and the legislation surrounding environmental sound all treat the sound as just sort of a general noise with no attention to the content of the sound. And it's reflected in the way it's measured, which is with an SPL meter. It comes out with a rating known as the LAEQ, which just tells you absolute noise levels on average over a period of time. But it really doesn't tell you much about what's going on in the sound scene. For instance, if you are at a rock concert, they can reach 100 dB plus, which whilst it's not good for your ears, people wouldn't necessarily find that a negative, you know, as part of the experience. And also, if you were at an airport watching aircraft take off, that can get very loud as well, be, you know, 100 decibels or more. And monitoring those sounds in the traditional way, the decibel meter would just read 100 dB. You don't really get any discrimination between these two very different sound contents. And that's the way all sound is treated in the environment. A good analogy that I often use is that it's like rating food, your enjoyment of food based purely on its temperature. There's no more nuance. You you can't taste it. So the soundscape approach, which is what I'm looking at in my research, attempts to look at the sounds in a particular sound scene, but look at the content of those sounds and how people are going to react based on the content rather than just the absolute noise levels. In effect, it's like bringing the flavours back to that meal that you can only taste the temperature of. Okay, so our taste buds are pretty bland, or urban planners are. But what is it about new headsets that can offer a more nuanced taste? The key thing with the Sennheiser equipment was the Sennheiser Ambio smart headset, which is a pair of earbuds, iPhone compatible. The key thing is that they have microphones attached to the outside of the earbuds. That is really what enables augmented audio. I was able to use the headset to live stream almost the sound coming from the environment that the user of my app is in straight back into their ears. So it's as if you're not wearing earphones, you can hear everything perfectly well. And then you can add things to that. So my um, augmented sound objects, but also it gives you the ability to filter that sound that was one aspect that I used is that you can actually access the stereo binaural sound coming from the earpieces and independently filter that. So I created an object that simulates an acoustic barrier. It takes the sound coming in from the earpieces and applies a low-pass filter, but directionally selective. So if the barrier is placed to your left, you can filter the left-hand side independently in various degrees. The headset actually allows you to do that, which is really useful and there's nothing else like it really. As Damien described earlier, this is a new type of headset that allows you to overlay two different strands of information on top of one another. And this is a prime example, virtual on top of real. Not only are there virtual objects that sound like they're in your real world, but you can put up a sound barrier, which is visually shown as a cartoon wall in the app to block sounds. Yet, while stereo mics allow this innovative new urban planning app, there are major challenges to spatializing sound like this. Head-related transfer functions, otherwise known as HRTFs, are key. That's the problem if you're wearing headphones, or you know anyone who's ever worn headphones and listened to music or listened to a podcast or whatever, all of those sounds tend to sound like they're coming from inside your head. And that's due to the lack of HRTFs. So you have sound coming into your head. I guess you could think of it as like pure sound. 
But then the shape of your ears and the way the sound bounces around your ears filters the sound before it actually gets to your eardrums. So imprints upon the sound your own personal ear shape and head shape and all that sort of stuff. And that's what's called the transfer function. So the transfer between the surrounding sound field and your eardrums, you know, it depends on your head. So that's why we call it the head-related transfer function. That governs how you hear, essentially. So you can do general binaural recordings that have sort of got this HRTF in a general way to try and maximize the way it's going to sound for the most amount of people. But ultimately, that means they're not personalized. But with the virtual objects in the in the Soundscape app that I made, they use generalized HRTFs to spatialize them in the scene. Mark says a Sennheiser plugin was meant to help him put back the HRTFs to try move the virtual sounds perceptually outside the listener's head. After struggling with the plugin provided by Sennheiser, Mark still found a way to make generalised HRTFs. I did come up with a way. So Apple's audio player objects, so these are like objects that you can use in your code to play a sound, actually have built-in provision for binaural playback. It's just not very well advertised. So I did some digging essentially in the developer documents and, and found a workaround to do what I needed to do without having to install a third-party plugin, which just made things a little bit easier because there's sort of fewer moving parts code-wise. I think it's probably more crucial for augmented audio than anything else because it, augmented audio, you have the real-world audio coming in and that all sounds as it should. And then you want this seamless integration of virtual audio sources. Now, if you don't have the binaural spatialization, you'll have this really weird sensation where some of the sounds you hear will be coming from inside your own head, collapsed, but then the real world sounds will still sound spatialized naturally. So you get the real breakdown of the illusion. It just really, the whole thing just doesn't work. The immersion would just not be there. And I think it's even more critical in AR than VR even, you can sort of get away with stereo a little bit because it's a complete virtual sound world. Whereas with AR, because you're trying to integrate virtual sounds with real world sounds, if it doesn't have the binaural spatialization, you're just immediately going to know that the virtual sounds are not real. It's going to sound really artificial, whereas it doesn't need to if you get that right. Mark did find a way in the end, but generalized HRTFs are still not ideal. They'll do for commercial products, but to make really authentic AR audio, Mark says you need customised HRTFs. You've got the real world sound scene coming in through these earpieces, and that sounds like it should sound because the earpieces are in your ears. And then these virtual audio objects, you have to somehow approximate that in software. And you can do it, but there's some sort of loss of precision, so it's never perfect unless you spend the time to actually measure someone's individual ear shape which we can do at the lab, but takes a very long time. But it's sort of a problem that needs to be overcome, I'd say, for the future of AR. To get maximum realism in AR audio, you need to take the HRTFs into account. There's quite a bit of research going on in terms of can you take a, a photograph of someone's ear and somehow infer from that what the mathematical transfer function will be. You know, and I've got colleagues who are working on ways to make it easier, but yeah, it would have to be something that could be done at home to make it widespread. While headsets like Sennheiser's are groundbreaking, AR technology can only go so far at the moment. Yet this app will certainly improve urban planning, whether the head-related transfer functions are generalised or not. Mark also feels the headsets open up exciting new opportunities for his research. If you wanted to get 
a live human reaction. So this is one of the ways that soundscapes are sometimes tested is that you will do a sound walk and take a bunch of people to the location you want to ask them to listen. And then you can do questionnaires and figure out how they felt about it and that sort of thing. In that sense, the transparent hearing is absolutely critical because what you could then do is take a group of people to the location you know, or even if you were just doing a sort of an expert assessment, actually wear the headset. So you get the output from the machine listening algorithm, but you can also then test it on real humans. So you can have all of the sounds, all the augmented audio deactivated. How does this particular sound scene make you feel, etc.? And then add in the augmented sounds. And then, you know, to a human, it's it's as if those extra sounds are really there in the scene and you can evaluate how that has affected their perception, which you couldn't do at all without the transparent hearing. Because if you were just using a standard headset, they'll block out most of the outdoor sound. So you end up with a situation where you could either have the natural sound in the location or the virtual sounds, but not both. So AR audio apps can help urban planners and researchers better understand soundscapes, and the benefits of this could be huge. Imagine if a building could be designed to minimise noise. Potentially, an app like this could be used by people who don't want a railway or an airport or a building put up near their home. Now we turn to another researcher. The pond water is dirty. The pond water is dirty. The pond water is dirty. This is the Impaired Hearing Simulator app, created by Eric Tarr, an audio engineer and professor at the University of Nashville. While studying music technology and electrical engineering at Ohio State University, Eric became interested in how technology could be used to treat hearing loss, rather than, in his own words, try and write hit records. So around 10 years ago, this led Eric into the area of hearing science and into the world of augmented reality audio. A lot of my work at that point began to focus on how can you simulate the conditions and experience of having hearing loss for people that have normal hearing. That was basically the beginning of working on stuff that could be called augmented reality. In my case, degraded reality, where you want to take something that would normally be heard of by a typical listener as something that sounds pretty good and then try to figure out, well, what can we do to that degrade the quality of it in a way that is either going to sound like someone has acoustic hearing loss and they are uh, listening through hearing aids or also for someone that has uh, cochlear implants, which is a whole uh, different way of presenting sound to listeners that have hearing loss. But for years, Eric says the technology just wasn't there. He wanted to do experiments in real time to be able to capture sounds with a microphone and instantly process this so he could get out the lab and do tests in the real world, in classrooms or in restaurants, for instance, and he wanted to be able to record binaurally. So Eric enrolled in the Ambio program last year and created his app. Essentially, it recreates the experience of listening with either a hearing aid or with cochlear implants. Much like Damien Murphy's choir experience, it processes the sounds coming into your ears in real time, augmenting, or as Eric describes it, degrading the audio. The app that I developed is called the Impaired Hearing Simulator, in abbreviated IHSIM. The purpose of it is to simulate two different types of impaired hearing. One is acoustic hearing loss that 
can be controlled to simulate various degrees of hearing loss, where it could be a mild hearing loss, what's described as a mild hearing loss, all the way to a moderate or even a severe hearing loss, where this can be the reproduction of sound can be filtered in such a way to remove high frequencies found in lots of in diagnoses of hearing loss. Um, and we also have in the app built out so that several common types of hearing loss from high frequency to things at frequencies in the mid-range and even low frequencies all can be adjusted and controlled to various degrees. And then as also part of the acoustic hearing loss app, there's dynamic range processing there for performing compression and also downwards expansion to simulate some things that can happen where a user or a listener is going to have a compressor that's built into their hearing aid, which decreases dynamic range. And how does that then affect your ability to perform different kinds of tasks, especially tasks that involve some spatial hearing? If you perform some compression that might throw off some of the important cues, the intraoral timing differences, intraoral level differences to a listener by just having that dynamic range processing uh, built in there. So that's one type of hearing simulation that's done. But Eric's app also has a cochlear implant simulation. A cochlear implant is an electronic medical device that replaces the function of the damaged inner ear. But this isn't a hearing aid. Instead of making the sound louder, cochlear implants do the work of the damaged parts of the inner ear, the cochlear, to provide sound signals to the brain. And it's a form of simulation that you heard an example of a minute ago. There's a whole separate second one that's done for cochlear implant simulation, where there are several well-known models of cochlear implant simulation that have been used in lots of hearing science research. They're all based around a vocoder, a vocoder just like what a lot of musicians might be aware of, more audio engineers that think of using a synthesizer as a vocoder. The same premise is used where the underlying signal is either just uh, white noise or also sine waves in various bands that get modulated in amplitude. And so the second simulation of the cochlear implant is based on these types of vocoders with several different parameters that are commonly used and modified in experiments involving cochlear implants. Those are the main things that we put into the app. Yet, why make an impaired hearing simulator? As well as doing real-time research, Eric created the app to potentially teach his music students, who will inevitably be exposed to loud sounds when playing instruments, to look after their hearing. But he also thinks it can help relatives of people with listening difficulties. As a professor myself, and I have students that are going into the music industry, one of the things I want them to understand about is negative side effects of having hearing loss and damage that's done just as part of working in live sound environments, noisy sound environments, where they need to understand the consequences of not protecting your hearing as one thing. And then to go along with that, having this simulation available for an audiologist that's working in the clinic where maybe they have a patient that is going to be receiving cochlear implants or being treated with hearing aids, having a system available where they could use it with a family member and demonstrate to the family member what it's going to be like for their loved one to have a hearing loss or receive cochlear implants so that the family member would be able to understand and think about, all right, what does this mean for how I communicate with my person that 
I care about if they're going to have these different types of hearing loss and just try to uh, kind of bridge the gap for someone that might be wondering, all right, what is it like to experience a cochlear implant or um, a hearing aid? So Eric's app really does have the power to do good. But given he had already created his own software, why did he have to join the Ambio development program? What could their headset offer that a conventional pair of headphones couldn't? The main difference to me about their headset is being able to have the stereo input and also have the microphones mounted on a listener's ear, which is obviously something that you'd want to have for augmented reality for trying to augment the sound that's going into a listener's ear already. And so comparing that to just using the original Apple headset that had a mono microphone like on the cord of the headset, that was something that when I had originally worked on the app and I was just using the Apple headset, it was it was possible to do the processing in real time, but it certainly was not ideal for only capturing a single signal and you have a mono signal, mono input. You could play it back in stereo, but you're not even going to be able to simulate binaural hearing at all with it. Another benefit, I think, of the Sennheiser headset is they had the earpiece would do pretty well at sealing off the ear canal to block out background noise. Now, it wasn't perfect. It's very difficult to entirely block out the background sound um, just by using foam or a rubber earpiece, something like that. But that was another big benefit where at least the headset was designed to try to block out some of the background sound and just make use of the sound going through the app. Eric used the headset essentially like hearing aids, but instead of augmenting the sound to make it louder, he degraded the sound entirely. And by using binaural recording, he could do this degradation in a far more realistic way. Eric says there's one particular experiment that he and his colleagues did that he couldn't have done without the Ambio smart headset. Here's an example of one that we actually conducted with the Sennheiser system. It was an experiment where the listener was asked to listen to speech coming out of a speaker and then repeat back the words that they heard from the speaker. As part of that experiment, we introduced background noise that would interfere with the speech and make it more difficult to hear that speech. In this task, there's two separate conditions. In one condition, the speech and the noise come out of the same loudspeaker. So they interfere with each other coming from the same direction. And in the second condition, the speech sound and the noise come out of different loudspeakers. You have the speech coming from in front of you and the noise coming off from the side. So this is a experiment. It goes by the name of spatial release from masking. So by moving the noise off to the side, what happens is this masking that occurs decreases by moving the noise off to the side. And so what we could do is use our simulated system and look at the performance of this simulated hearing loss and compare our groups with listeners that had performed this experiment before that have hearing loss and look if the results that are coming out of it are similar between the groups. Invariably though, as with all pioneering technology, Eric did find a downside. For experiments, he said it's crucial that no background noise bled through. They hoped the headset, with its noise-cancelling earbuds, would ensure this, so they could fully control and augment the audio coming in through the transparent listening feature. 
What I would say, the thing that we discovered, it was just something we were trying to make the most of, was just the ability of the headset to block out background sound. Because in our use case, ideally what would happen is the listener would only be exposed to the simulated sound. They'd only be exposed to the sound of a cochlear implant. They'd only be exposed to the sound of the acoustic hearing loss. And if there was any leakage or bleed or any of the outside sound that they were exposed to, then that might confound some of the results that we discovered where, well, if the listener is able to also hear the natural speech signal along with the cochlear implant simulation, then what does that mean for the results? They're not just listening to one or the other. But we made the most of what we could in our controlled environment. We just had to qualify our results by saying there's some background sound that the listener can hear, but it's just something that there's no real way around it. The pond water is dirty. Okay, so new headset technology, or should I say new augmented reality headset technology, is helping scientists better understand hearing loss. In turn, this could be used to educate people so they don't blast their music too loud or so they can understand their loved one's listening difficulty. But audio for AR headsets could also actually help people with hearing loss themselves. To find out more about that, I turn to one of the other developers from the Ambio program. Luis Marcelino is the CTO of Evolu, an audiology company based in Portugal. My name is Luis Marcelino. At the moment, I'm CTO for Evolu, that's a company that is doing health system information. And we are particularly focused on audiology. So we are trying to support people within the process of improving their hearing, usually involves start wearing a hearing device. But Luis and his team saw an opportunity. What if hearing devices could look different? Could an augmented reality headset do the very same job? We started it from the beginning because one of the problems with people wearing hearing devices is because they are there is kind of a stigma besides the price obviously we think that with people start wearing all these cool headsets and earpods and so on so augmented reality could be something that would help people that have some sort of hearing disability or some hearing deficit the basic idea is to make hearing aids trendy but hearing aids are complex and, as Luis mentioned, not particularly cheap devices. We're talking a few thousand pounds expensive. And they work by the user putting them in or behind their ear. They then take in audio through a microphone before converting the sound waves to electrical signals and then amplifying them. But how does Luis propose to use AR headsets instead? We wanted to enhance voice of people that are, that are talking to you. So instead of trying to amplify everything, we try to be smart and say, let's try to focus on voice and particular voice of people that are facing you, so to speak. So we thought, well, uh, MBO has two uh, great microphones on each side. Maybe we can go and actually narrow the bandwidth and the direction of the sound to get some better audio as far as speech is concerned. So we would put everything else off the way. And eventually we ended up also doing something that is actually uh, transposing or shifting the frequencies. So because most of the times you tend to lose high frequencies first, so people start losing the ability to hear children or women with high-pitched voices. So we included something that would 
pitch down the frequencies so we would understand better if you have difficulty in the high frequency level. So this is what we try to do. Okay, so this has huge potential. It could cut costs for people with hearing difficulties, but how does it work? The audio gets in, so you have multiple audio units. They are like a pipeline of things, and they kick off depending on the intensity of the help you require from the user interface. So we try to make a very, very simple user interface. Besides the slider of the volume, you just have another one for the pitch, so you can control how high or low the pitch will be, and the intensity of your assistance, so to speak. And with that, you would have different frequencies being amplified at different gains, depending on this intensity. So it is multiple ranges. We did tests at the moment, so it is not released yet. So it is available only internally and to the Sennheiser guys. We wanted to make it public soon, but it will have ranges of assistances. And within those ranges, then you have different gains for different frequencies at different levels as well. So the aim then is to augment the speech coming in from the person in front of someone with hearing difficulties. But what about people with normal hearing? After all, how many times have you been at a bar or on the tube and said, what, I can't hear you? In Larissa's version of the future, though, everyone might wear an AR audio headset. In this hypothetical reality, there'll be no more what's, sorry's, or can you speak up. Yet, Evolu's app is still a prototype and is not available to the wider public yet. He admits that so far, they haven't fully achieved what they set out to do when they joined the developers program. So we are not quite there yet, so we need to have a little bit more working. So we got a very good way into what we aimed to be our project, but we struggled with the way the iPhone uh, or the iOS manages all the microphones because we cannot get all the microphones as we want. The operating system just provides us with an input and we could not get the microphones. So we wanted to use the microphone on the device with the microphones on the Ambio headset. And we couldn't use both. If you have the MBO headset plugged in, then you are stuck with microphones from the hardware from Sennheiser. And the phone will not give the one on the device. That is a problem for us. Because the microphones from Sennheiser's headset are quite good for recording all your environment. But if you want to focus on some voice, that creates an extra challenge. So that's one of the reasons why the application is not public yet. Like Eric's impaired hearing simulator, Luisa's app has made use of the binaural recording microphones, yet Evolu have suffered problems. And while they expected to use head tracking and transparent hearing, Luis says they ended up not using either of these features. We have mixed feelings about those because it's a great feature if you're trying to impose audio on non-related audio to your environment into your user. But if you are putting audio that was captured some milliseconds ago, you processed it, and then you're going to put it back to your users here. Basically, you hear an echo. Sometimes it's quite confusing that you are listening the audio twice within milliseconds of differences. The transparent audio, I think it was quite promising thing, and it ended up to be more confusing than helpful for us. Having said that, the noise cancelling feature, that is a bonus. Then you already have that there. That is helpful. They have a significant toolkit to control and to monitor the head tracking of the user. We were expecting to to use that as a measure and a confirmation from the values we would be getting 
when getting audio signals from the two microphones. So to be able to confirm where the sound was coming from, to calibrate the device and so on. But we end up not using it. So creating an AR audiology app that can work with the off-the-shelf hardware has proven difficult. Unlike the tourism and research apps we've heard about, this one is still waiting to be released. What's clear is that making augmented reality apps is a difficult process, yet Luis envisions that in the future, apps like his will help everyone, not just people with hearing difficulties. Even if you have normal hearing, you may actually be in a room where acoustics is so poor that you may actually benefit from this. I think this could be something that would be cool to have on the phone. Some people use the camera like a portal microscope for small prints or something. Well, you could use this for sound as well. If you are on a meeting and you are away from the speaker and you cannot hear the person very well, having a regular headset to enhance the speech maybe provide you superpowers. Like you'll be hearing better with your headset than without them. Funnily enough, Luis wasn't the only developer to describe his kind of app in such a way. Herbert Hansen and Eric Tarr also see enhanced hearing as one really exciting future possibility for audio for AR. Yet they also think selective hearing apps will massively change society and how we go about our day-to-day lives. See this future where this technology is coming so powerful in hearing aids, it's so small you can't even see it anymore. In the end, it's bringing these kind of like superpowers where everyone would like to have a piece of that kind of cake or whatever. If I could just tune out all kind of frequencies, I could say that, well, in front of me, I want to tune out this construction sound. And on the side of me, I want a little more sound because I want to hear the cars when I cross the road. And working in basically just design your whole um, audio reality. Someone could just have some noise reduction algorithms that are being used to block out the sound of traffic or train noise or airplane noise, but still make it possible to carry on a conversation and those kinds of things. So I think there's lots of different things that can be developed. And I think it's a really exciting area for people to be working in. And there's a lot of hope, I think, to be some really cool things for consumers too. Indeed, Magic Leap's John Mark Schott believes augmented reality audio will completely change how we live. We might wear a smart AR headset at all times, and this could help us get around the city, answer questions, and even offer us entertainment. I think many of the things that we're now accustomed to do with our phones are going to be possible with head-worn devices that may be audio-only or audio and graphic. So they could be glasses, they could be also augmented reality headsets. For those devices, we could be in a situation where they enhance our capabilities all the time. We wear them, possibly all the time. It could be at any point in the day. So in those situations, the device, much like a cell phone is today, is an extension of what you're capable of. It's able to provide additional information that you don't readily have access to in your environment. It's able to answer questions, provide navigation information. It could be entertainment. It could be uh, helping you for your professional tasks. For consumers, these augmented reality devices and apps clearly aren't here yet. Some, like Elliot Graves, from the beginning of the episode, think AR is taking over virtual reality. However, augmented reality is still very much in its early days. 
What we can say is this, that in tourism, entertainment and hearing research, smart AR headsets are paving the way, while they also promise to completely change how we take in sound, how we interact with our world, whether you have hearing difficulties or not. Yet the hardware and software still has some way to go before we reach this science fiction-like world where everyone walks around with a headset augmenting their sound worlds constantly. We need to get the hardware into the hands of more people because presently your augmented audio is really only the Sennheiser Ambio headset that will do it properly. I think Bose have released some glasses recently and there are various other companies who are doing bits and pieces, but the hardware is still sort of in its infancy and much more expensive than just getting a normal pair of earphones. So I think you'd need a situation where in the future, hopefully the vast majority of headsets would have microphones on them. So then you can, as a developer, be sure that the stuff you're developing can actually be used by the vast majority of consumers. So you don't end up with a situation like with, you know, the PlayStation camera or something where there aren't any games for it because you can't guarantee that everyone's got one. And I think augmented audio could be in that sort of situation until you get a cheaper headset and then some some sort of killer application that everybody wants to have a piece of, you know. You've been listening to the Immersive Audio Podcast hosted by Felix Thompson with guests Elliot Graves, Jean-Marc Jot, Sophia Brazola, Kadar Shashadar, Luis Marcelino, Perbeck Hansen, Mark Green, Damian Murphy, and last but not least, Eric Tarr. A huge thank you to all of our speakers who gave us more in-depth knowledge to the world of AR. If you want to find out more about them individually, be sure to check the show notes on our blog to find out more about our guests. This episode was produced by Felix Thompson and Oliver Cadell with the help of Abigail Bertram, Kaylin Tyndall, and Shane O'Hare and included music by Nobbs Bergamo, Isaac Joel, and Young Kool-Aid. If you can, head to our page on iTunes and leave us a review and rating. It really helps us out in pushing our show further. This podcast is also available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Visit 1618digital.com to access the show notes and other episodes. Follow us at 1618digital on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening.